Welcome to Calvary Chapel of Columbia, where we're unpacking God's truths one verse at a time. And now here's Pastor Tim with today's message. So this morning, uh, we're going to do something a little different. Never done this before, but I'm going to do this today because I feel like it's super important. And uh, I've been learning a lot as uh, a leader in the church and um, in, in different ways. And the Lord has been speaking to me about the importance of communication with the body and making sure that we're all on the same page. And so this morning, um, you know, we don't take a lot of time to talk about where we're headed as a church and kind of what the direction is that we're going. What, in, in the context of the church, right, the large church, we know that we kind of know what the Lord has us to be doing and all these kinds of things. But the Lord plants churches in areas for reasons. And so we've been on this journey trying to understand that. And the Lord's given us some some good understanding, I feel, in terms of what we're doing as a church, where we're going, and all that stuff. And I feel like it's very important to uh, communicate that with you guys. And so we're, this morning, I just want to talk about where we're headed. If, if you got our letter last week, typically that's how I communicate uh, where we're headed. It's not that we don't communicate at all, but typically, um, you know, it's my mindset has always been, man, I just want to teach the Bible because the Bible is what transforms people's lives. And and so I, I want to teach the Bible all the time as much as I can. I don't want to waste, um, you know, you, sometimes you feel like is, I don't want to waste time talking about things that are, that are temporal. I want to talk about, you know, things that are going to change people's lives. But ultimately, I've came to an understanding that, that, that whatever the Lord wants to talk about will change lives. Amen? So, so we know that, so we're good with that. But if you got the letter last, um, last week... Uh, it was in your contribution statement. If you didn't get that, you can grab one on your way out today. Um, it's on the Welcome Center. And it's a letter that kind of explains what the Lord has been doing in my heart and the heart of the eldership and, and the leadership here. What we've been trying to come to as a, um, as a, as a group in terms of the, the mission, the vision, the values of the church. And uh, we've been on this journey for like five years trying to better understand what the Lord is calling us to do. And so he's given us some insight. So I want to share that with you this morning. Is that cool? You all with me? Awesome. Awesome. Um, you know, you can, if you would like, open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to reference that here in just a little bit. But um, I, I want to talk first and foremost about just, just the benefit of coming to Calvary Chapel. I think one of the biggest benefits is the fact that we teach the Bible without compromise. I feel like every person that steps in the pulpit here teaches the Bible without compromise. We don't skirt issues that are hard to talk about um, because we're worried about how people will respond to that. Uh, we want people to grow in maturity in the body of Christ and so that each of you guys can fulfill your role um, as different members of the body of Christ. So we care more about God's plan and, and ultimately what, what he wants for us through his word than we do about um, you know, building, our, building a big church with people who are seeker-friendly that don't necessarily want to hear the truth, right? And so uh, it's not to say that, uh, you know, we want, we would, we love for unbelievers to come in here and, and, you know, hear the word of God. And I think that in context of what we see in the Bible, that, that is, there's, there's openness for that. God wants unbelievers in his church. Um, he wants people to come in here and hear the truth. But you know what he, you know what ultimately the purpose of unbelievers coming in here is to look at you, to watch you to see what you're doing. How are you worshiping God? How are you engaging with God? Um, and, and there's some biblical references that, that lay that foundation for us in terms of as we gather. But, but you know, when, when the word of God is going forth, there is, there's power in the word. The word changes lives. That's why Paul said in uh, Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power uh, of God unto salvation of those who believe. And so we love to teach the Bible the Bible is, uh, um, is life-changing, and so we're committed to doing that. And um, not necessarily, hey, you're not, you're not necessarily going to feel good every week when you leave here uh, because the Bible is confronting at times, you know. It's encouraging, and it builds us up, and, and it does, does all these things. And, and listen, it would be my, my fleshly preference, I promise you, to go through the Bible and pick out all the good parts Right, all the really good parts that would make you feel good and make you lift it up and make you just, but I wouldn't be a good pastor if I did that. I wouldn't be a good pastor if I didn't teach the hard subjects. We didn't talk about, you know, we don't talk about pornography a lot from the pulpit, but listen, it is plaguing the church like crazy. 
Like crazy, the statistics are so high it would blow your mind. Like so high, so high, even in this room, so high. And so we need to talk about these things, man, because there's freedom in Christ. But if we just keep saying that, we don't really apply it into our lives, then we'll never feel it. So we want to con constantly confront the, the things that the Bible calls sin and uh, the things that we want to, uh, the, the way we do that is we go line upon line. We can't skirt anything if we go line upon line through the Bible. And, uh, you know, there's, there, there's times where I wish I didn't do that, you know, but um, but it's always a growth thing for all of us when we talk about difficult subjects. So, um, you know, the Bible is, is not a negative book. The Bible is truth in love. The Bible is truth in love, and it's, such an, such, it's a love letter from God to you. You know that? And, uh, you know, the thing about love is love speaks the truth. And if you don't know, listen, th this is the problem with the, the, the gospel that's being preached in our culture today is that it's a gospel that people don't know what they're being saved from, right? They have no idea that they're so plagued with sin that there's no way that they ever could reach God, uh, that the blood of Christ is the only way, and that they have to turn away from their life and give everything to Jesus to be saved. Confess him as Lord. You know what that means? That means Jesus the crown that was once on my head is now on your head. You are my king. And, and to believe that God raised him from the dead, that means that you put all your trust in that. You are not trusting yourself at all. Not one iota. That's what it means, the gospel. The gospel means to turn away from sin and turn to, to Christ. And unfortunately, that's not being preached a lot. But as you teach the Bible, the Bible tells us the truth. And you need to understand, people need to understand their being, what they're being saved from. And oftentimes, I can tell you even when I preach the gospel at times that I don't do a thorough enough job at times communicating these things. I think that we, we, want, we don't want people just to say a prayer. We don't want people just to memorize Bible verses. We want to see the Holy Spirit transform people's lives. That's ultimately what we're here for. So I say all that to say I think our pastors do a very good job, you know, to, to commit themselves to rightly divide the Word of God. When, when Pastor Mike, Pastor Brian teach, you know, we all collectively have the same mentality. We care about what God thinks, and we want to do our best with, with breaking the Word down for you. Um, you know, and, and unfortunately, that's not the case uh, with, with every church. Uh, you know, I think of this analogy. What, who in their right mind would choose a doctor based on uh, him telling them what they want to hear? W would you go to a doctor's office? You're like, what doctor will tell me what I want to hear? That's the one I want to go to. Um, let me see here. Uh, you know, Dr. Feelgood. I go, go to Dr. Feelgood, and he tells me, hey, you know what? You're in fantastic health. Do not change a thing. You are doing good, buddy. But the, actually, I have a life-threatening disease that is killing me, and I don't have long to live. And yet, he's more concerned about me not being offended by what he says. So he lies to me and tells me uh, what I want to hear. Do you go to those kind of doctors? How many of you ever sought out a doctor like that? Hashtag no one, right? Nobody goes to a doctor for that reason. And yet, it's sad but true. Tons of people go to churches for that reason. We are choosing the physical life over the spiritual life so, in so many different ways. In so many different ways. And the Lord has just been enlightening me on, the, on this thing. But, um, you know, as we're committed to the, to the word uncompromising, we will, we will not do those kinds of things. We're going to tell you the truth. Um, and, 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 you know, one of the other things that I think is, is, um, is sad in the church in general is that people, people say, well, I just don't feel connected. Anybody ever feel like that? Like, I don't feel connected in the body of Christ and, and different things like that. And, um, you know, it, it, it's, it, church is not supposed to be a lonely place. You know that? It's not supposed to be a lonely place, but it can be an incredibly lonely place can be an incredibly lonely place um, where you don't ever, where you feel more connected outside the church than you do inside the church. And so, you know, th there's a couple different reasons for that. I think that part of it is that 
uh, you know, people have to connect, get connected, right? You can't just sit back and expect people to come to you. If you, you want to be connected, get connected. I mean, it's, uh, you know, God wants to connect you. It's not a God problem, you know, and, and oftentimes we're standoffish and we don't want to get involved. We also, you know, there also are cliques that happen in, in churches and all these kinds of things, but, but I would think there, that, that within a, a small body here, I would think you should be able to get to know everybody. I would think you, you should make it your aim to get to know everyone here, um, you know, and, um, but, but ultimately you can feel disconnected. You can feel like you're not a part of something, and, and I think that part of that has to do with what I'm going to talk about this morning, not having a full understanding of really the, 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 the culture of a church and understanding what the culture is supposed to be like, what God created church to be like. Why, why do we come? What, what's the point? Why do we gather together? We set aside a couple hours every Sunday morning to come together and maybe an hour or two during the week. What, why do we do these kinds of things? Um, because God wants you to be connected. That's the reason. Ultimately, he wants to connect you first and foremost with him. It's always a connection with him. And then he wants you to connect with other people. And see, uh, that, and so it's important that the way that a church handles uh, the culture matters then because you're creating, you need to cultivate that and make sure that people are getting connected. And I can say that I think part of um, you know, one of the downfalls of that I've, that I've kind of experienced in my own leadership is just a lack of communicating what this culture should look like, what this culture should look like, what our church, how our church should beat one to another and all these kinds of things. And of course, we come across it in scripture and all these kinds of things. Um, and everything that we're going to talk about here is in the Bible, um, in terms of our mission, vision, and values. But, um, but you need to, I think we need to take a moment and just talk about that. And ultimately, where is this all coming from? You're like, dude, what is this guy talking about? Well, remember like four weeks ago when we went through 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 28 through, 12 through 28, and I titled the message Church Culture 101. If you didn't see, listen to the message, go back and listen to it on our website or whatever. You can find it there um, in, in our media section. But um, it's, it's from there that the Lord really spoke to my heart about what, what we should be doing here and what it should look like. And he's kind of rebirthed a whole different, not, not completely different. It's not like a wreck and redo, but he's given me a lot of clarity on some things and helped me better understand, you know, our mission, better understand our vision, and better understand the values that create the culture that we want to have here at Calvary Chapel. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning. We want to look at the mission the, the value, values and the um, vision that the Lord has given this. And so um, if you remember at the end of the message throughout 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, the idea was this, that it takes the entire church to make this happen. It can't just be leadership, you know, coming up with some principles and then we, 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 we say, okay, well, this sounds good and then it just, that's where it stops. No, it's got to be communicated and then everybody has to be on the same page and be committed to do these things. And so that's why we're doing this on Sunday morning. Because I, wanna, I want you guys to understand what we're committed to. And, I, and we can't do it unless you're committed to it too. And so we're asking you this morning. The, the, the thing is we're saying, hey, we want to ask you to be committed to these things as well. Because you can't create a culture without the entire uh, you know, entity involved. You can't do it. And here's what happens as an entity grows, uh, the culture will change if you don't have a strong foundation. So we want to lay that foundation this morning. Now, for those of you that don't know, when, when God called my wife and I to plant this church in 2006, we lived in Sarasota, Florida. We came here. Um, we moved in 2007. And the Lord put it on our hearts to plant a church. Don't know what we're doing. Never planted a church before. Never been a pastor before. Don't know anything about this. Wasn't even a pastor when I got the call to plant the church. That, that tells you how much God cares about titles, by the way. So, you know, he, he often calls you to something that you're doing, and he's not really worried about what man calls you, right? He has titles in the Bible, and he gives you those titles. But, you know, ultimately, I did end up being ordained. Um, after the Lord um, had, had spoken to me about it. But the Lord called us in 2006. My wife and I both knew 
that we were, we were coming up here. We had a business, and the Lord was blessing the business, and we were moving the business up here to Spring Hill, Tennessee, and, uh, and um, it, it ended, that, ended up that the Lord, while we were moving, said, well, I want you to start a church. And both my wife and I felt that call from the Lord, and we, you know, it was confirmed and various other people. And so um, when we moved up here, the Lord had one specific kind of thought on our minds. Like, you know, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go into Columbia, Tennessee. Now, that's interesting because most of everything we're doing is north, right? Well, our business was north, and we lived a little bit north and all this stuff. But the Lord said, I want you to plant a church in Columbia, and I want you to specifically minister to people that have been hurt by the church. That was one of the things that we felt God called us to do, that, that we were to, to minister to, and, to people here in Columbia, which, by the way, in 2007, it's changed quite a bit, but 2007-ish, it was highly legalistic, and there were tons of people that had been hurt by the church, by the legalism in the churches around here. You know, and so we, we saw God bringing people um, that had been hurt by the church that had said, I'll never ever get involved in organized religion at all anymore. I'm never going to be part of a church. I don't need a church to follow Jesus. You probably heard people say that before, right? I don't need to be part of a church. Actually, you do. You really do. And, and here's what happens is the church hurts you, whether it's legalism or, you know, they made they did something. We're idiots at times. You know, people make mistakes. And so we all have those, uh, we all have those moments in our life where like, well, Pastor Tim really uh, spoke harsh to me, you know, or whatever. And, and that's not my heart. And if you know me, that's not my heart. But if I did, don't walk away offended. One of the things we're going to talk about is reconciliation. It's like important that we come and talk to each other. Don't bail on the church and just go, oh, I'm never going to go back to an organized uh, re religion ever again. Listen, if you're doing that, you're following the wrong thing. So if, you're, if your heart is, oh, I'm never going to be involved in organized anything, if God organized it, then you're saying, I'm not going to be involved in your plan, God. Listen, God put this all together, and we're not going to do it 100% correctly, and people are going to get hurt. But don't give up on Jesus, and don't give up on his word, and don't give up on, on people in general. Amen? We've seen God transform people's lives here. That, that have said these kinds of things and, and you know, that, that felt like they, would, they were so hurt by the church and who knows what the reasons were. We don't really get into that. It doesn't matter. What matters is you know that God loves you, that he is a God of grace, he's a God of truth and that he wants to minister to you and he wants us to gather together to share our giftings together so that we can build each other up and encourage each other. And, and that's part of being, the, being part of the church. We need each other. And so the Lord called us here, and we, we started to see different things happening. We, we, we began a Bible study in 2008 in our house with 12 people. We moved to the YMCA in 2010, and then we moved into the coffee shop next door in 2012, and we built out the rest of the, this area, and we, um, we were planted in here in 2017, so uh, Easter of 2017. So we've been here for a while, and the Lord's been doing uh, amazing things. When, so when we planted the church, the Lord gave us a mission. He gave us a mission statement, you know, and, and it, that's to define why you exist. And I think it's a good question. I mean, you know, when I walk into Columbia, Tennessee, and I see 110 churches in the community, and I think, like, why would God call us here? Like, there's 110 churches here. They're not all doing it wrong. Why is he calling us here? Why, why, why us here? And, and the Lord said, well, it's kind of like Peter and Peter and uh, and, and uh, Paul, right? They're, they're two different people. They minister in two different ways. They have God's, God's used their personality to minister to different people. God plants different churches in a community for that reason. It's a, a, a lot of it is the personalities that God is trying to reach. Th this is what, what blows my mind. You know, we, a lot of people say, well, why don't just, why don't just you, everybody just gather together, make a big church, and we just do that? Because you wouldn't reach as many people. You wouldn't reach as many people because the personalities of those people are different. And that wouldn't work for everyone. And that's why, you know, that's why people go to different churches because there's, they, they, they're connecting with something that the Lord has, has put in place. Here's what that tells me. If God planted 110 churches in Columbia and he's using 110 different pastors 
to come into this community to reach people, he so cares about Columbia. Like he loves Columbia so much that he would send 110 church planters here to set up shop and say, man, I want to minister to these people. I want to make sure that they know who I am. Like that is God. That's God's heart for you. It does not have to make sense to us. I mean, he, he sent um, Philip from a booming church in Samaria out into the desert for one guy, one Ethiopian eunuch. He said, you go out there and you tell him about the gospel. It probably didn't make a lot of sense to Philip, but he was obedient. And look what the Lord did. One person got saved, and all of heaven rejoiced. And all of heaven rejoiced. God is so crazy in love with Columbia, Tennessee, that he would send another guy here to Columbia, Tennessee. Not just me, but there's, there's still churches being planted in Columbia, Tennessee. And it's awesome because guess what? We're all part of the same thing. We're all part of the same body. So, so when we got here, the Lord said, this is why, this is your mission. This is wh what your mission is. And, and, uh, and that's what everybody asks you when you plant a church. Well, what's your mission? What's your vision? All these kinds of things. And um, I never put a lot of stock into those things, to be honest with you. I'm just being obedient to the Lord. I'm going to teach the Bible. I'm going to love people. And that's about it. it you know, I, it, will that work for you? You know, we're, we're, we're not highly sophisticated here, but we're going to love you and we're going to tell you the truth. And so, um, you know, I thought, well, I need to have a mission statement because everybody else has one and I think I better have one. So I said, well, what, what be best fits what I'm talking about here? And I said, oh, I think to know Christ and to make him known. So that's been our mission statement from day one, to know Christ and to make him known. And, and I think that that... That's a fine mission statement. It's kind of vague. It doesn't really explain why we exist here as Calvary Chapel. Um, it does in a way, and I'll explain that in a moment. But, but from day one, my heart for the church, the Lord has always given me the scripture, Ephesians chapter 4. This is why the church exists. And to be honest, I really think that the church at large has to get back to this place of Ephesians chapter 4. Because this is really ultimately the biblical mandate for the church. Here's what it says, beginning in verse 11. And he, God, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up of the body, until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. From the very moment I was called into ministry, this verse, these verses have always been my understanding of why the church exists. Why, why the body of Christ, why, why we have entities like the church. What is the purpose? Why do we do it? This is the mission. Listen. Listen to equip the saints for the work of ministry. That is the purpose of church. Now, I would ask you today, this is biblical mandate for, I think, the organization, the church. But I would ask you, you know, um, you've probably all been part of various different churches and all of that. Uh, would you say that that's a lot of what you see out there is people equipping the saints for the work of ministry? Here, here's what I'll tell you I see. That was a question, by the way. I don't know if you got that or not. Okay, you did. I just want to make sure you're with me. Uh, so what, what I see is I see the church doing the church body's job. You see what I'm saying? Rather, because the church body isn't doing what they're called to do, the church has stepped into this role of being, you know, hey, we're just going to, we're going to be the evangelistic unit that is going to save people. So you don't make disciples, we'll make them. But that's not what the Bible says. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that we have a great commission. 
that we're all to go and make disciples, right? And the church entity is to equip you, the saints, to do that. It doesn't mean that we don't evangelize in the, in the body of Christ and we don't bring the gospel because we're always about the gospel. Everything has to be about the gospel. The foundation of our belief is about the gospel. But the church entity, the reason it exists is to equip you to do the work of ministry. And what's happened, this, this, and I, don't, I, I think it's not the body's fault. I think it's the, the church leader's fault for not equipping the saints, period. I think so many churches do not equip people. Uh, you know, you take a poll of people and you, you get an understanding of what they believe in their foundational truths. You, t- you know, Barna does plenty of those kinds of things. Gallup does plenty of kinds of polls that say, what do people believe that go to church today? Many of them don't even believe the very foundations of the Word of God. Like that Jesus is the only way to heaven, that the Word of God is the absolute um, authority, that it is God-breathed, it's from God, that Satan is real. All of these foundational things, why? Because they haven't been equipped. Because they haven't been equipped. The church isn't equipping, and therefore, the people can't do their job if they're not equipped. And that's been my heart, is to... Lord, I want to I be that. And so the mission statement to know Christ and to make him known, it, it's kind of the same. I think it's a really, really summarized version of Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verses 11 through 16, but I don't think it's good enough. I want to define it better. And so we're, we're going to change our mission statement. We want our mission statement to line up exactly with, this, with these passages. And so uh, Brian and Mike and I, we, we went through this and we kind of tried to summarize the best we could in terms of what we believe the, the, the reason why we exist as a church, and it is to equip the saints for ministry, maturity, unity, and the building up of the body of Christ. We believe that, that we exist here to equip the saints for ministry, for maturity, for unity, and the building up of the body of Christ. I think that's a much better way to say, uh, say what we, we exist for rather than to, to know Christ and to make him known, which I think is good, but this is way better. I think it makes it clear. Calvary Chapel is a place for saints uh, of Jesus Christ to be equipped, matured, unified, and built up uh, in the body of Christ and to build up the body of Christ. So it means to build up the body. It means both numeretically and spiritually. It it means to go out and to teach people and to disciple people and and to to disciple them and then have them become part of the body. But it's also to build each other up. It's both. It's both. We need to, to do that. We need to, we want to equip you guys to, to do those kinds of things. Um, I think that, as I said before, I think the, the church at large has lost um, sight of that mission in, in a lot of ways. You know, you don't, a lot of times you don't see a lot of building up going on in, in, the, in a church congregation. You know what happens is it becomes an event. We show up for we don't participate in, and we go home, and, and our lives are really kind of, it feels like a drag. We're just like, man, I don't know that I, I don't feel connected. I don't feel God. I don't sense any of that stuff. That's because it's not happening the way it's supposed to. When the Holy Spirit moved on the early church, dude, they did life together for real. They just started connecting with one another. Okay, historically, because they were the only thing going on, like they were a small entity that was just being birthed, and there was, you know, a lot of persecution coming down on them. They had to stick together primarily because of a lot of those reasons, but that is what it's supposed to look like. We're supposed to be, listen, when, when, you're, when you're having issues in your life, man, you should be, the first people you should call is your church family. They should be the people that like, hey, man, why? Because they're on the same page with you. Some of us, we're the only person in our in our whatever, I don't know how, even how to say it, genetical family or paternal family or whatever that, that terminology is, your, your, your physical family on earth, you're the only believer in it. So how can you depend on the rest of those guys? Okay, guys, let's pray. Let's, you know, you have more in common with your spiritual family because you've been born again. You have the same spirit inside of you. And some of you, you need the body desperately in that regard because you're the only believer in your family. But listen, we all need the, bo- the body of Christ. God is equipped. There's people here that have giftings and that have 
you know, things that you need. But if you never, ever spend time to get to know each other, if you never spend time connecting with one another, you'll never experience that. God has so much more than, than I think what we're experiencing. Um, and so, you, you know, we want to be a place that, that equips the body to be what it's called to be. Um, I want to have a, a healthy, vibrant church that shines for Jesus. A healthy, vibrant church that shines for Jesus. Let me tell you something. It doesn't matter how many people show up. That, does not, that is not the sign of health. It's not the sign of health. Just, I mean, just because a doctor has a, a, a gazillion patients doesn't mean he's a good doctor. It might mean because it's the easiest place for them to find them. It's what their insurance pays for. There's a whole bunch of different reasons. And the same thing holds true for churches. It has nothing to do with how many people show up. Healthiness has everything to do with are we following the Lord? Are we doing what God's calling us to do? Are we connecting with one another? Are we letting the, the Spirit of God move in our hearts and our minds? For the past four or five years, we have been seeking to have a healthy church culture that does not succumb to the ways of man, to the ways of man that we, we, we want to be a spirit-led church. We want to be a spirit-led people um, that's empowered and uh, that loves the way that Jesus loves. And there are a lot of churches that, are, that offer a ton of things, but they have a horrible culture, meaning they're not operating in love. They're not doing the biblical things from a leadership or a membership standpoint, and people don't even talk about it. You know, that, that's, that's, it's sad. I think the reason that, um, I think the reason we've not really been incredibly successful at making a cultural shift in our body uh, the way that we've desired to is because there is a lack of communicating a clear biblical vision and values um, to the body from the pulpit. I think there's been a lack of communication from me to you as it relates to this. Remember, Dan, when we, we would pray over this stuff and we would ask the Lord, 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 how do we get this, the, the, the culture to shift, Lord? And, and in fact, I bring Dan up because Dan had the best answer. It's a work of the Spirit. It's a work of the Spirit. So we pray and we ask the Lord. But, but also, I think, as I've learned from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, it also needs to be communicated from the pulpit. People need to understand what it is that the Lord is asking us to do. These aren't things we're making up. This is stuff in the Bible. Like, we're just summarizing what the Bible says. Here's some things that we can work on as a body to create a, 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 real, a, a vibrant, healthy culture. Not to say that we have a horrible culture or anything. We want to we we have a better one. Amen. We want to have a better culture in our church. We don't ever want people to feel like, man, I feel disconnected. I don't feel like I'm part of this body. Well, listen, if you ever feel that way, maybe that's because God's calling you to do that part and you're not, and that's why you feel that way. And maybe there's other people that feel that way because you have a gifting in that. You notice it. You're the one that's noticing it. Maybe the Lord's saying, hey, you need to step into that, that ministry and be the one to, to, to bring that to, to fruition in the body. After all, Jesus did gift you. He did bless you with, with gifting. So we want to be in a, a culture. So, so I, I look at the Bible and we talk about communicating a clear vision. Remember the book of Habakkuk. The book of Habakkuk and the Lord speaking to Habakkuk. And he's just like wondering, like, Lord, what are you doing? I don't even understand what you're doing anymore. And the Lord's telling Habakkuk, Dude, you don't even know what I'm doing. Like, I am so involved and getting ready to do some incredible things. Here's what I want you to do. Chapter 2, verse 1. I want you to write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it. He wants to write it down. He wants to communicate it to the people so the person that reads it can take it and run with it. And that's what I believe the Lord's telling us to do. Write it down, make it plain, so he that reads it can run with it. How can we as a church uphold a clear biblical vision and values if it's not written down? God has given us a vision and some values to operate by, and we have written them down. Now, this isn't to say that this is all inclusive of everything the Bible has to say about these particular things. These are the primary things 
that the Lord is speaking to us about here. And these things may change. But, but here, th this is where we are today, the vision. Here's the vision of our church, to grow, to go, and to give. If you recall last year, at the end of the year, I wrote a letter, and it went in your 2018 contribution, uh, you know, little statements, and, and it said, you know, God has spoken to my heart about there's three things that we need to be committed to as a body. Here's the vision for what God wants for our body. He wants us to grow, he wants us to go, and he wants us to give. And then I break that down. What does that mean? To grow. We're called to grow in our relationship with God. It's in the Bible. It's Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1 through 2. That's one of the many places that it talks about it. But it says, therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God and of instruction about washing, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, the eternal judgment. What The writer of Hebrews, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is calling believers to maturity in Christ. He's saying, you got to mature. You cannot stay the same place. You have to keep moving forward. You gotta, it's not acceptable to God to remain an infant in Christ. It's not acceptable. Peter said the same thing. He said, stop drinking milk and start eating meat. Could you imagine how ridiculous it would be if you're 35 years old and you're eating baby food? And you're like, oh, this is how I get my nutrition. I mean, you could, but it's really ultimately not. You need to mature. You need to mature. And, and the Lord wants us to mature. He wants to, keep us, he wants to teach you the depths of who he is. Do you want to know who God is more? You got to go deeper. Do you want your life to be transformed? You got to go deeper. You can't. You, listen, the, the definition of insanity is what? Doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. I'm not going to read the Bible. I'm not going to pray. I'm not going to connect with the body of Christ. But, man, I don't understand why I'm not growing. I don't get it, Lord. What are you doing? Hello? The Lord's saying, you got to grow. you got to commit to saying, hey, Lord, I want to grow. I want to grow more in you. Some of you know what it means to grow uh, in, in your in your occupation. Man, I want to grow to something greater. I want to be a manager. I want to be an owner. I want to be this or that or whatever. And you know that it takes hard work to do that. Why in the world would you think that it does not take hard work to know Christ more? Like it takes commitment. It takes, it takes an, a focus. It takes you the, 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 the idea of saying, hey, I'm going to commit to this thing. He wants us to mature, man. How do we mature in Christ? The Word of God, prayer, and fellowship with others. That's how you mature in Christ. You mature in Christ. And it's not all about us. You also mature as you're giving back out what God has given you. I can tell you how much I've grown in my faith because God used me in a conversation. And I saw it was him, and I'm like, well, well I can do that. The Lord showed up in my life. I can do that. And it grew me and it matured me in my faith. But if you don't ever take the step, you won't experience it. We got to grow. We got to grow in the Lord. We want to we build up each other. We have to build ourselves up at the same time. So we, so we need to grow. Secondly, we need to go. You know the verse. You know the verses, what Jesus said, some of his last words to us. Go, therefore, into all the nations. Make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. That's called the Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. He's telling us to go all into all the world. This isn't just a call for some special evangelistic office. This is a call for every single person in the world to go and make disciples. And I'll tell you this, if you're not growing in Christ, you will not be going in Christ. If you're not growing, you won't be going. Lastly, you certainly won't be giving. To give. We're called to give of our time, talents, and finances for the kingdom work as our worship to God. That's why we do it. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it's our reasonable service. It's reasonable for God to expect us to do something with what he's done. He redeemed you. He bought you back. You're paid for by the blood of Christ. 
So it's not unreasonable for him to say, now I want you to serve me and I want you to do these things. We need to give of our time, our talents, our finances to God's work. And he doesn't want us to do that flippantly. He doesn't want us to do that under compulsion, like we have to do it. Listen, folks, you get to do this. You get to do this. You get to serve God. You get to give of your time. You get to give of the finances that he's given you. You get to do these things because he's blessed you. And that's why you get to do these things. He's chosen you. He's chosen you to live in this generation, in this city, in this culture today. He's chosen you. And he wants you to go into the world and he wants you to give all that you have to make his name known. He wants you to do that. And he's worthy of it. Listen, there's not going to be a single person in heaven that's going to go, man, I'm really sorry I served Jesus like that. Man, I'm really sorry that I gave more over to the Lord and not to my physical life. You're never, ever going to, in heaven, the, the, if, there, if this is even possible, I don't know what it is. I'm not saying it is. This is inspired by God, but I'm just saying you're never, ever going to go, you're never going to go, man, Lord, I wish I would have done something more for myself, not for you. I think you're going to possibly maybe see what more you could have done for the Lord. Again, not inspired. I don't know that, that to be true, but that's just my thoughts. What did you do with Jesus? Did you give him your all? Listen, he gave you his all. And this isn't an emotional pull. This is reality. He gave you everything. And everything that you have, all your talents, all your finances, everything that you have is a result of him. He's gifted you those things. Why? Because the Bible calls you a steward. You're a steward of what he's given you. So be a good steward and, and commit to, to, to give back to what God wants to do in your life, both physically, emotionally, mentally, financially. Give to the Lord. This is the vision, to grow, to go, and to give. Now, the Lord has given us some values. We have eight different values. These are, these are cultural things that we want to have relating to our, the body here at Calvary Chapel. And I'm just going to blaze through these real quick. So you can pick it up, a, a copy of these out here. But the first thing is, the first thing that we want to commit to as a body is we want to commit to the glory of God. We want everything to be about the glory of God. We want to go to whatever extent we have to to bring glory to God. Anybody else with me? Do you want to bring glory to God for your, in your life? Do you? You should. That's why you were created. The number one thing we want to do in this life is bring glory to God. So we want to commit to bringing glory to God. That is the, our chief end. Secondly, uh, we want to commit to finding our personal identity in Christ and not in anything else. I think this is a big problem in our culture today. We are so title-orientated, occupationally orientated. We're so worried about what, you know, oh, are you an influencer? How many people do you have on your Facebook? How many people, how many followers do you have on Instagram? How many people are, you know, are, are, are looking at your TikTok or whatever it is? I don't care what social media platform you're on or, or whatever measure you're using. That is not your identity. And sadly, that is what has happened in our culture today is, is our identity is found and in all these other things, and the Bible says that our identity is in Christ. Our identity is in Christ. It's not in anything else. And we want to be committed to be reminded that that is where our identity lies. Our value and worth is not in what people call us. It has nothing to do with Pastor Tim or, you know, whatever, Deacon so-and-so or, you know, whatever the case is. It doesn't matter the title. Our identity is in Christ. We want to commit to, those, to, to, to understanding that. We are all equally flat-footed at the cross. Amen? Number three, magnification. We want to commit to using our gifts and talents from the Lord to magnify King Jesus, to make him known. We want the Holy Spirit to, to utilize everything that he has created us to be to, to magnify uh, God's presence in our lives so that other people can see it. We want, we want the Lord. We want people, when they see us, to see Jesus. You know, one of the most encouraging verses that I, I read in the Bible is, remember when Peter and, J and John were coming from the temple and they just got in trouble? I think it's Acts chapter 5-ish, 4 or 5-ish. 
But it says this, when they left the temple, they knew that they had been with Jesus. Everybody around the culture knew that they had been with Jesus. Don't you want to be known for that? Like, when you want to walk out of here and go, man, I, hey, you've been with Jesus. Why would they say that about you? Because of the way that you're acting, the way that you're living, the way that you're interacting with people. Do they know that you've been with Jesus? Do they know that? Magnify his name. Let it be known that you've been with Jesus. Fourthly, multiplication. We commit to making disciples for Jesus in and outside the walls of the church. Telling others about the love of Jesus is a privilege, not a chore. Tell other people about Jesus. Listen, I think there is a, uh, some sort of a spiritual plague on the church in this day and age where evangelism has almost come to a screeching halt, statistically speaking. You know, statistically speaking, 90% of believers won't share their faith once in a year. Once. The majority of believers will never lead a person to the Lord. How in the world can God call you to a great commission and then you never ever see that, come to, that fruit come in your life if you're following Jesus? So there's, there's this thing that we need to be committed to, and that's to, to making disciples, both inside and outside the church. You should be discipling somebody. If you, I don't care if you're three days old in Christ. You can tell somebody else what you know. Amen? So be committed to that. Number five, reconciliation. We, are, we commit to reconciling with one another in accordance with the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 through 20. We have been given the ministry of reconciliation and we commit to operating in the spirit of reconciliation towards each other. This is, that, that passage is probably one of the most, most disobeyed passages in the Bible altogether as it relates to believers. And that is, when I'm offended by somebody, I just bail and I don't care about that relationship. I don't make, I don't have a conversation with that person. I just go somewhere else. That's not biblical. That, that's, that, that's, highly contrary to the way that Jesus lived. you realize? Like the way that Jesus lived is if he had a problem, like if you did something to Jesus, he would walk up to you and say, in a, in a very graceful way, by the way, and he'd say, hey, I don't know if you know this, and I don't know if you intended this, but this is what happened. And as your brother, I care about you enough to come talk to you. I care about our relationship. If we don't, if we don't care about people that way, then the question is, we're, we're not allowing the love of God to come through us because his love is unconditional. And when we get offended, we need to commit to reconciling with one another. And it doesn't mean that, you, you know, at, at the end of that reconciliation that you're going to walk away best friends. But what it means is we're committing to a biblical mandate of reconciliation that says, I care more about what God says than I do about anything else. I want to reconcile. Listen, if I've ever offended you, ever, I have an open door. I want to know. You're never going to offend me by coming into my door and saying, hey, you did this and I don't like it. I might disagree with you, but I'll have that conversation with you because I care. I care about the relationship, and I know there's many other people here that do. Number six, maturation. We commit to growing spiritually in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. There's some verses there you can look up. Participation. We commit to koinonia. You know what that word means? Koinonia is fellowship, but you know what that means? To share one with another. To share one with another. Do you know that we have fellowship with God? Think about this. He has shared himself with you. And he's saying, I want you to share yourself with each other in true koinonia fellowship. He wants us to be in each other's lives. Number eight, contribution. Well, I, I want to commit, we're going to commit to sowing financially to the building of the kingdom of God with a heart of gratitude and obedience, not by compulsion. Again, just, just giving over that which God has given. These are biblical mandates, all eight of these things. These are in the Bible. You can look them up yourself. You can check them out. But I believe this is what makes a healthy culture. This is what makes a healthy culture. And you're like, well... Ultimately, if you're doing all these things, you know, you're going you're gonna to have a vibrant, healthy culture in a church, and that's what we're desiring. That's what we want. 
We want God to do an incredible work in here. And we want to lay this foundation so that as we grow, other people can see that culture and get involved and be part of it. And so God wants to do a great work here. But it takes all of us, amen? It takes every, one, every single one of us to do this. And, and I'm, I'm encouraged that God has laid it out for us. It's not like we have to figure it out. God has said, hey, here's the deal. This is what I want you to do. I want you to do these things. And then he wants us to be a, a, a body of believers that are committed to a biblical understanding of what it means to gather together. Amen? Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for just all that you've spoken to us today, Lord, regarding the vision and the, um, the mission and the values that you call us to, Lord. And we pray that right now, God, that you would help each one of us to know where we sit and where we fall regarding these things. And, Lord, we know that you're calling us to something greater, and we want to be part of that, Lord. And so we ask you right now in Jesus' name to just draw our hearts to yourself. Lord, we pray if there's anyone in here that does not know you, is not in right relationship with you, that you help them understand that all of that we've spoken about this, this morning is all relating to believers. But ultimately, the only reason we can have that conversation is because you sent your son from heaven to earth to pay a price for our sin. We have all sinned against you, Lord. We have all... Uh, we have all missed the mark as it relates to what you call us to. And you, uh, that separated us from you, and you sent your son so that we could be reconciled. And so we just want to ask if there's anyone here today, Lord, that you would draw them to, to yourself. You would help them to do as Romans 10, 9 says, to confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and to believe in their heart that God raised him from the dead, to turn away from their sin, to turn to you today, to crown you king, and to believe that their salvation is all in your hands. For the rest of your body here this morning, Lord, as we prepare for communion, Lord, we desire for you to do a work here now. We think of the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world. We have victory in Christ. We are washed clean. Positionally speaking, we are justified before you, Father. Our sin does not plague you. We have been redeemed. We have been forgiven. And as we repent, that restores our fellowship with you. But it does not cause us to be saved. Ultimately, our salvation is found in Jesus Christ. So will you help us this morning, Lord, as remember your crucified and risen son and the blood that was shed for us, his body that was broken. Will you cause us this morning to, to just rejoice in all that you've done and, and just commit ourselves fully and wholly to you, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. You can hear more of Pastor Tim's studies through the Word of God on our website, www.calvaryofcolumbia.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll join us again as we continue to study God's Word.